0: Yeah. We couldn't understand why is it that some batches are like way over and some are way under what's really happening here. And the fact that they were collecting data, I, mean, I think it was basically every second, yeah. allowed us to understand relationships between equipment and outcome. That we could, that we simply couldn't see, that we literally need to evaluate maybe 20 or 30 pieces of information. And just as a human, we couldn't process
1: Here is your host, Sam Gupta.
2: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the WBS podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at digital transformation consulting firm, Elevate IQ. Time series data is all about continuous monitoring of your machines to detect trends with your batches. If we don't collect and analyze the data, You might feel that you don't have capacity to meet customer demand and might be forced to acquire additional capacity or facility if you don't want to miss the opportunities. But the additional capacity might be right there within your facility and existing machines. Just because you may not have enough data points to draw conclusions from, you may not be aware of it. Also, even if you start collecting it, you might have to incorporate more variables to keep learning until you get to the bottom of the anomalies and trends you might be getting through your data. In today's episode, our guest Jim Gavigan shares his insights on the importance of time series data and why it is important to understand your capacity. He also discusses the role of historians in enterprise architecture and how it interfaces with other systems. Finally, he discusses the similarities in the manufacturing processes of various industries and how to perform batch analysis to spot anomalies and detect trends. Let me introduce Jim to you. Jim Kavigan has spent 25 years in the manufacturing space and has worked in both engineering and sales for companies like Rockwell Automation, OSI Soft and Logical Systems. In 2016, Jim founded Industrial Insight. And the company focuses on helping manufacturers get the most out of their time series data platform. Industrial Insights efforts have netted millions of dollars for our customers in unrealized potential. With that, let's get to the conversation.
0: Hey, Jim, welcome to the show. Hey, glad to be here, Sam. Thanks for the invite.
2: And I am super excited to dig into your insight about the time series data Obviously that plays a extremely critical role for manufacturers. So we want to know how they can really utilize if they might not be taking advantage of that. Just to kick things off, do you want to start with your personal story and current focus, Dim?
0: Oh, I've been in manufacturing for about 25 years. I actually started as a vibration analyst, believe it or not. Got yeah. my level one certification back in ninety-five or something along those lines. Yeah. Uh, actually, I have a double E degree from uh, University of Memphis. Then I got into control systems, worked for a small company for about six years, ended up running their airing and control systems group. Then I worked for Rockwell Automation for about six years. I transitioned wow. into sales. That was an, an interesting transition, maybe a story or two out of that. Yep. And then I was a technical consultant with them for about a year before I was recruited away by a local system integrator in the Memphis, uh, Tennessee area. Yeah work for them as their sales and business development manager for about five or six years. Yeah. Kind of a theme here, that five, six year mark. Yeah, Um, yeah. But I worked for them uh, doing sales and business development work. However, a lot of times I had to put the technical hat on. Yeah. And that's actually where I learned about time series data and, and its importance. We actually were doing some work for a customer, some batch analysis for a customer that help them land a whole new customer, yeah. double their, their demand for their product. They had yeah. to build a whole new plant. Yeah. They asked us yeah. to help build it with no bids. So I said, hmm, this whole data thing, I even called it that in my mind. This data thing is really important because I just watch it make two companies millions of dollars. And then um, about six years in, I got yeah. recruited by OSIsoft to come sell the Pi system for them. And yeah. I started out managing territories in Tennessee and Arkansas. Very
3: moved cool. Moved to Florida
0: about a year uh, as a strategic account manager and had a lot of the larger companies and customers in the Southeast. Learned a lot yep. and then had ended up with three bosses in two years. And the last one and I did not get along in any way, shape or form. So I went back to the system integrator, started yep. their practice around the PI system. Yeah, uh, realized I was helping them build their dream. It was it was my dream, but I was helping them more than it was really mine. Yeah. And so almost five years ago, uh, matter of fact, December 6th, it'll, this will probably air after December 6th, yeah. I will have celebrated five years in business uh, as Industrial Insight. So that's a little bit about my story. And, and what we focus on is helping customers leverage their time series data to actually make money with it. Most companies are collecting data. They kind of yeah. look at it very reactively. They, yeah. they don't really proactively
2: use it to drive their business. Yeah. And we yeah. try to help companies do that. Very cool. So, you know, most of the segments that you mentioned seem to be five years, which is very cool. I think that's the timeline that you really want. And by the way, I mean, see, we I'm a closet all...
0: millennial. What can I say?
2: Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, we see we might not be able to get along with everybody. I mean, you know, everybody has their own perspectives, right? So uh, sometimes yeah. it's better off that you know we are not trying to get along with everybody. Whoever we get along with, you can hang out with them. Uh, but okay. you know, for today's conversation, obviously, we want to talk about the time series data and how the manufacturers can really take advantage of that. So we'll dig deeper into all of that. Before we do sure. that, we have one of these 10 questions that we ask every single guest. And Jim, okay. that is going to be your perspective on business growth. Well, you know, that, that changes over
0: time. Yep. So so working for you know Rockwell Automation yep. had a different perspective than when I worked for logical systems, than when I worked for, you know, advanced industry support early in my career, yep. than OSI Soft now. Right now, for, for me, business growth, we, we have to be careful in how we manage that. Yep. We're we're a system oriented business. Yep. We we deliver services. Yeah. And you know how every service business is you can have a great experience if the right person does the work for you yeah and and then you turn around and ask that company back to do something else for you and it's a miserable experience because they give you a different person yep so it's very very critical that our growth matches the type of people we hire and the capabilities that we hire yeah and so for a small company like mine we really have to be careful in how we manage that. We have to pick the right customers. We have to pick the right people to work for us. Yeah. We have to pick the right kind of opportunities for us yeah. that we think we can be very successful at yeah. and, and not spread ourselves too thin. So it, it it's a challenge, but it's very different than, you know, when you're working for, say, Rockwell Automation and, you know, you're shipping product, yep. right? Yeah. That's a different perspective. Yep. You know, I've worked with service companies. I work... Yep. An advanced industry support, you know, yeah. early in my career, we were a fairly small company, maybe 15 people. Yeah, Growth was very much like what I just described. Yeah, When I worked for Logical Systems, you know, we had grown from about 80 people to over 200 during the time I was there. And it's, it's a little different, you know, that your scale matter also matters that you pick the right people and you pick the right opportunities, which is where I really learned that you know, OSI soft, you're shipping software, you know, literally people can already made the software. People can download it at any time. So, so growth can be really explosive for something like that. So it's, it's very, a very delicate balance for us. Growth is so it's, it's just very different, just different over my career.
2: Yeah, very interesting. So you definitely evolve, uh, you know, with growth and every business is going to be different always uh, when it comes to their perspective of growth. But you are mm-hmm. absolutely right that uh, you need to be careful overall in terms of the way you are thinking of growth you can't simply be focused on revenue and not worry about the cost okay. because you know growth is going to be everything uh, it's not going to be just one angle of the business so let's d- dig deeper into your stories about the time series data and i am especially interested in, in knowing you mentioned that you you were involved in this batch analysis um, so i don't know if yeah. you're going to have a story related to What was your journey of doing the batch analysis and tons of stories? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so let's start with one.
0: I'm a storyteller, sir. Please, I'm going to
2: have so much fun on the show then. (laughs) So I love stories.
0: So that one was was pretty interesting. I can't mention the name of the client, obviously, but it was a company we have been supporting for a while. And and how we got the opportunity was I got a call from the local plant. Yeah. And said, Hey, we've been supporting this particular for a couple of years off and on. Yeah. We've had two or three different system integrators in there and no one's sticking. Yeah. You know, we have to kick them out because they're just not bringing the right people, just like I was talking about with the growth thing. Right? Yeah. This would be the right fit, this particular person, because he was helping out at the local Memphis plant. Well, he wasn't available for a while. He was finishing up a project. So they said, Hey, grab this guy over here because he's available. He was completely the wrong fit. And I ended up having to do an awful lot of technical work, which I finally freed up. And he and I were good friends, and we worked really well together. And so we kind of kept things going really well for a couple of years. We, yeah. we did several really good projects. We had, you know, stabilized their operation. We had, were helping them grow. You know, they were they were meeting different clients' needs, and it was really exciting. Well. One day, I'm sitting in my office and Trey comes to me and says, hey, um, they need to have this kind of batch accuracy. And it was way tighter than anything we had worked on. Yeah. And I said, well, why? He said, well, I don't know. I said, don't you think we ought to find out? You know, a salesperson kicks yeah, yeah, in to me. Like, yeah, they're yeah. not asking this for no reason, yeah. you know. And so I'm kind of teaching the engineer what I've learned from the sales process. Yeah. And i said well let's let's give chad a call he was two levels above the plant manager kind of on their business development side and i said yeah let's see what they're doing yeah and turned out they were trying to land a new customer it was going to double their yeah. business yeah it was going to be they were going to add some drugs into the thing it was it was it was livestock feed is what they were making yeah and so there's going to be a lot more requirements And their nutritionists had some really strict requirements and formulations. And they said, you know, if we have this much accuracy, we're going to meet their tolerance every time. Yeah. Because if if we have to ask our operators to hand add something, they always miss. Yeah. And so this way we know we're intolerant. So we need to be able to do that. So, when we get off the phone, I said, Well, I looked at Trey and said, Well, that puts it in a whole different perspective, doesn't it? And he said, Absolutely. I said, We have to understand our customers' business. Exactly. What are are they trying to accomplish? Right. And and that was something I've very much learned from the sales process because as an engineer, you're very task oriented. What's the task? How do I accomplish the task? Yep. And this is something I'm trying to teach, you know, Ben and Tia who work for me. I'm always, trying to understand our customers' business. What what drives their growth? What makes them successful? Exactly. What are the what's the terminology that they use, et cetera? Right. Yeah. So Trey said, you know, they they've turned on their Pi system to us. We're we're managing it now. He said, I can build a report that gives us, you know, ever how many batches we want. We had literally, I, I kid you not, Sam, I had stayed up night after night, yeah, writing some code that would capture how far off the last Batch was and okay. I was storing it in N files in the PLC and the the techies out there will know what that means. Yeah, but basically registers in the PLC we would have numbers like minus eight hundred, which yeah. means we we're eight hundred pounds under target on that one. Yeah, then we'd have three thousand, which means we are three thousand over. Yeah, I would have the last fifty batches for the A. A mixer and the B mixer. Yeah, I had no idea when they run it, which product it was, which operator was running. It. I had no context, but I at least knew about the last fifty batches how accurately. Yeah, literally, we would take a screenshot in the morning. Yeah, and we would circle the ones that were over the tolerance that we wanted, and we would count them up and say, "Okay, well, eight out of a hundred yesterday were, or the of the last hundred were off what we wanted our target to." Be. Yeah, so that was our data collection system up until this point. Yeah, and so he said, "Hey, they've turned on their PI system to us. I can do all that in, in an Excel spreadsheet. I can knock it out in just a few hours, and we can look at trends and yeah. and things like that." So, long story short, he builds this report. We look at it. We see the batches and what time they ran. We go back and look at the feed rate. Yeah, and, I'm, and light bulb goes on. It's like, okay, well, they're hitting feed rates we never saw. Yeah, and we had this, we had this little table in the PLC that said, okay. When we're trying to hit this certain target and you're going past, we're going to, to start cutting equipment off to slow the feed rate down as we approach the target. Yeah. So that way it'll be more accurate. Well, they were hitting speeds we had never seen. So we had ne- never tuned that part of the table. Those were just guesses. Okay. Based on things, you know, before. Yeah. yeah. So maybe we we, sh- we shut this conveyor off at 6,000 pounds from, you know, target and we shut this valve off at 3,000 and we slow the conveyor back at 2,000, the one yeah. that's still running. You know, so we were cutting things off and slowing things down so that we could hit target. Yeah. We're we're hitting speed speeds we had never seen. So I said, okay, well, no wonder we're off on those. It's only those that were way off. Everything else, if if we slow it down into this range, we hit it every time. So we just did a little bit of tuning over the next three or four days, and literally we were able to accomplish what we have been working on off and on for well over a year we yeah. were able to get it way tighter than we had ever done before in about five business days so we we, we called chad and said hey we we think we have got it and we we gave him some of the data that we had been collecting and said hey we, we think we've nailed it yeah they invited their customer in yeah customer sees it says yep you can do what we need you to do yeah let's go they signed the contract and next thing we know we're helping them build another plant not even bidding it out because it, they said to us literally yeah you understand our process our business you know how this needs to operate we trust you we're not even going to bid this out to anybody and it was it was going to be several million dollars and that was just a moment that wow data is really powerful if you use it right and that yeah. was a very reactive use case yeah we reacted to a market condition we weren't proactively trying to drive anything yeah right and so That was really the aha moment. And then when I worked for OSIsoft, I kept hearing those stories. I would hear some success stories at our annual conferences and then talking to some different people and different customers who were fully leveraging the system. Yeah. Started to realize, man, there's a real opportunity here and people really don't realize it yet.
2: Yeah, so very interesting story. And I am going to actually peel back a little bit more so that you know my listeners yeah. can follow along. And uh, some of the listeners may not have as much background in the time series data or PLC programming. Yeah. So they would like to have a little bit more information overall in terms of what we are yeah. trying to accomplish. So from the overarching story perspective, I could follow along. And I am actually going to narrate some of those points that from the product perspective, you were trying to produce more of the lifestyle And that's how you came to know, because you actually spoke to the manager who actually told you that, you know, you were trying to increase the capacity to be able to meet the the customer demand. But let's say if you compare this with some of the other manufacturing situations where they might not be collecting as much data or they might not have as much knowledge overall of their, their environment. So how The time series data obviously is going to be super critical in this case to be able to understand what is actually happening in your environment. So if you were to provide a little bit more colors over to the story, uh, if let's say they are not collecting this data, what are going to be the implications? And so do you want to provide some more colors there?
0: Sure. The, The reality is we would have had a very difficult time understanding what was actually causing the problem. We would have had to sit there, which is what we had done before. Yeah. And watch as many batches as we could and try to humanly digest everything that's coming at us. So, oh, darn, we just went over. What did I just see? (laughs) Yep. You know, I needed a DVR. Yeah. I needed to rewind time and see what was going on. Yeah. And more times than not, you couldn't catch it. Yeah. And so that was our struggle was yeah. we couldn't understand why is it that some batches are like way over and some are way under what's really happening here. Yeah. And the fact that they were collecting data I mean I think it was basically every second yeah. allowed us to understand relationships between equipment and outcomes. Yeah. That we could that we simply couldn't see that we literally need to evaluate maybe 20 or 30 pieces of information. Yeah. And just as a human, we couldn't process all that just watching their operator screens. We yeah. were trying to process all of it. Yeah. Maybe you had a hunch or, hey, maybe you had to go to the restroom when the one batch that ran bad, you know, happened. And you're like, oh, great. I missed the one that I needed to see. <laughs> yep. Right. And and so this really allowed us to be able to sit back and really analyze everything that was going on. We could yeah. isolate just the ones that had a bad outcome. Yeah. Said, okay, these batches are bad. We we don't want this outcome. We're too far under or too far over our target. And they're not going to be able to sell that to this new customer. Yeah. So we were able to isolate those and say, okay, what was happening specifically to those batches that we didn't see, that yeah. we didn't understand? Yeah. And like, and like I said, we were trying to slow down the rate of feed into this mixer to hit a target. We're talking, I think it was 57,000 pounds. It would go okay. into the mix. Right. Yeah. And I think they wanted, it was something like 99% of the batches on their main ingredient to be within a thousand pounds and then 95% within 500 pounds. So okay. basically 1%, you know, what we were trying to hit. And I think before that it was 99% within 5,000 pounds and 95% within a yeah. thousand. So it was a huge step change And yeah the ability of this system to be accurate. And there's just no way we could have done it. Yeah. In first, I don't think we could have done it. One, two is we certainly couldn't have done it in five days reliably where we could yeah. say to the customer, here's the data. We, we know this works now. We've analyzed this enough and you're going to make it.
2: Okay, very interesting. So I don't know if you had experience with this specific business, and I don't know what are going to be your input variables versus the output variables, because in case of your data, you should be collecting something. So in this particular case, obviously you are looking at different batches and they are meeting specific tolerance so i don't know if you are going with the existing quality measures that they might be tracking and then you are drilling deeper into that so let's say if you were working what we were
0: looking at was how the equipment was behaving before like what were the conveyor speeds that were feeding the stuff into the mixer yeah what were the valves doing when do we cut the valves off at what point did we cut them off so that you know, it would slow things down. Yeah. You know, what were the conveyor speeds that we slowed down to? Yeah. Was that enough? What was that final feed rate that we needed to hit the tolerance? That was really the key is we we figured out, I think it was like if we were under like 5,000 pounds an hour or something, it was some number. I can't remember what it was. It's been yeah. too many years now. But if if we could get the final feed rate right before we shut the conveyor off and close the final valve off, if we could get it in this window, we were going to hit the target every time. That was what we figured out. We couldn't figure it out before. Okay. We didn't have enough data to allow us to understand that that was the key relationship.
2: Okay. So I don't know if you're going to have any other story. Maybe. uh, So let's say if I am trying to. If I am trying to do this for the first time, obviously you are going to have tons of questions in understanding our process. So for example, let's say if you are doing this for another livestock business. Um, You know, you probably understand their recipes, you understand their formulas, uh, you sort of understand their, you know, how they are operating slowly. But when you walk from one business to the next, obviously their manufacturing processes are going to be very different. The way their machines and control systems are going to interact with each other, is going to be very different. So let's say when you are starting your discovery process with a business, what are going to be some of the things that you are going to be, looking for either from the operator or from the business. So I know that you are always want the business drivers, but once you know the business drivers, what are some of the parameters that you are looking for yeah. to be able to great. analyze
0: this? It's a great question. What what I do now, and, yeah. and to your point, one of the things I struggle with at OSIsoft was a lot of our demonstration materials was based on oil wells yeah. or mine trucks or wind farms or yep. you know some uh some business that you know we had yeah i would walk into a paper mill yeah and i would show them a demo because i'm wanting to show them a concept they're yep. focused on oh well that's a wind farm we're not a wind farm we're a paper mill. exactly or we're a chemical plant yeah we're you know something else we're an ice cream manufacturer whatever yep. it is right yeah immediately they kind of tune you out and I, and I and it struck it it was a struggle for me yeah think I can connect the dots here. I can see what you need. Yep. How come you can't? Yep. And that's exactly what you're asking. Exactly. So, so over the years, I, there, there's some techniques I've learned. One is I try to ask the customer, I I, I tell them this, I said, look, what we for, for the first project to get you to believe in what we're doing and to believe that we, we can actually help you. Yeah. Is we need something we can do in say four to six weeks. Yeah. So we're talking, you know, twenty five to thousand dollars max. Okay. Right. Yeah. Cost. Yeah. But yeah. that could potentially save you two hundred fifty thousand dollars or more. Okay. Because what what we often find yeah is some is that it takes twice as much as what you thought yeah and you get half the benefit yeah. So so if we spend if we say it's going to be thirty thousand dollars, we end up spending sixty. Yeah. You think you're going to save 250, but you save 125. That's still a win. That's yeah. a six month pay. Yeah. Right. That's a hurdle rate. Any business will sign up for even in this economy. Right. Yeah. So I, I try to get them thinking along those lines. I'm like, what are those things that you're struggling with? And I know I've, I've been around manufacturing and I've been around paper mills, chemical plants, ice cream manufacturers, all yeah. different kinds of food and beverage plants, you know, livestock. What is very interesting. And I tell never believe me until we actually do the first project. Yeah. You guys all have the same problem. You just use different terminology. Yeah. It's all the same thing. Yeah. You think you're different and special, but you're not. Yeah. And, and yeah. It's it's hard sometimes for me to convince them of that. Yeah. And so I, I try to get them to start talking about what are those things that are killing them. Yeah. And if I if I hear something that I think, hmm, that, I think we could do something there. Tell me yeah. more. Yeah. Right. And then there's some that they tell me about and I'm like okay that's going to be really complex we're not going there. Yeah. Right. And and so I try to find those things that I as they're describing it sounds similar to something else we've done. Yeah. 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 in the past. Yeah. And then I can start talking very specifically or maybe I can bring up a specific example that yeah. says okay now you're going to have to imagine a little bit here. Yeah. Yeah. But and then and then I try to get them it's like the car salesman tactic where they're trying to get you to, to imagine yourself in that vehicle yeah, right? so, I, yeah so I try to yeah. get them to think about well, what if I had these capabilities yeah what if I could see all of this in real time? What yeah. if I could have history and slice and dice it like this? yeah what could I do with that? Yeah and I try to get them thinking that way and and sometimes even even today it's difficult sometimes for people to understand yeah how to get there.
3: Yeah, yeah,
0: and, and and I'll give you you know the one that we talked about last week off camera, is we had a, a you know a company that it's a midstream oil and gas company. Yeah, and it's funny we had never done any business in in oil and gas. Yeah, and what what's so funny is one of one of the people that we initially started working with said, well, look if you're doing chemicals and paper mill, we got tanks and pumps and flow meters. Yeah, yeah, it's just not that hard. Yeah, like, there's yeah, just yep. not that much to it. Yeah. And now their terminology is different, their business drivers are different. You know, I, I had to understand certain things that you know I wasn't familiar with, but it yeah. really wasn't that that hard, right? Yeah. Well, one of their major drivers was they have these really large pumps, like five, six thousand horsepower, that have to run around the desired manufacturing specification okay. for flow. Yeah. Right. And they call it best efficiency point. And they okay. have to run between 70 and 120 percent. Okay. And if it didn't run in that range, yeah. it was big money per day. Okay. And I was I was looking at some of their data and I, I'm sitting here and unfortunately someone else had done some financial analysis. I mean, the, the opportunities were in the millions, the many okay. millions. Yeah. And I'm sitting here thinking, I'm looking at this and I'm like, you can't even see this in real time. Based on some work we've done for another customer, we've done something really similar. Yeah. We could do that for you, just kind of adapt it for you. And we can tell you in real time, if you're in that range and we could build some events that would tell us how long are you out of that range? Yeah. And can you, you know, maybe put some commentary on it, put a reason code why you're not in the range. Hey, maybe we don't have the customer orders. Maybe, you know, we have an equipment problem. Maybe, oh, gee, I didn't really realize that the operators literally was like, I didn't really realize we weren't. You know in the in the range we should have been yeah and if you can start documenting that then you can start attacking those things that you can control well you can't control if you have an equipment breakdown downstream and you can't pump things that way right well that's a different problem yeah okay that's not a problem that your operators didn't know that this is where they were supposed to be and they were blindly just running how we run which happens a lot in every plant yeah you tend to say well they have this tribal knowledge that they think is correct where they think, okay, well, this is how I'm, I've been told to run. So therefore yeah. this is how I have to run. It may be the wrong way to run. And they had that there. We, we discovered that, uh, one of their people had discovered that They said, if you run these three combina- pumps in combination, that'll never work. Well, that was one of their best performing combination. Interesting. Data. And so the first analysis I did yeah. was in March and for the year they were 20 they had spent 23 days yeah equivalent that many hours yeah off that bep yeah that was millions of dollars to them okay and they figured it out like that we had ne- mm. again i did this in like five or six weeks yeah had never really spent a lot of time in oil and gas or anything like that yeah but i understood the business driver they told they described what their current situation was and i'm, I'm sitting here thinking i can do that and Three, four, five weeks. That is yeah. really not a hard thing to do. And it's very much like this thing we did when we were monitoring three stage compressors for uh, a liquid gas plant three hours up the road from us. Yeah. It's it's almost identical, except the graph's gonna look different. Yeah. The yeah. concepts are identical, yeah. The graph's gonna look different. Yeah. And and so literally we were able to leverage that work we had done before, yeah, adapt yeah. it to their specific situation, and in five or six weeks. Turned out something that's going to help them save millions of dollars. So, so what I always try to do is since I've been exposed to so many different things, yeah. I try to find those things that are going to save them a bunch of money. Yeah. That if I can understand enough, I'm thinking we can probably do that within a month or two. Yeah. Yeah. Or we can make a huge dent where there the aha moment happens. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's what I'm looking for. And and it's a challenge. That was my, one of my frustrations and why I got into technical side of things. When I left OSIsoft. soft, I had, I had several ways I could have gone. Yeah. You know, I, I could have, I was software companies, potentially there was other opportunities I was looking at and I was literally like, I want to go help these customers that I've been working with Yeah. on the things that I can see in my mind's eye. That was literally what was driving me. Yeah. And When when things didn't really go the way I wanted them to at at LSI, that second go around, I said, you know, I really need to go do this on my own because I have some ideas and some things I need some freedom to go do. And but again, it's that same driver for me is I felt like I could see the solution for the customer long before they could. Yeah. And and my experience now allows me to to. And the amount of examples that I and we have yeah. allow me to get something pretty close to them, to get yeah. them to have that aha moment before they actually pay us. Okay, very Ended interesting. Answer, but
2: Yeah, very interesting. So since you are mentioning that, you know what, even though they might be using different industry terms in different situations, but for the most part, their processes are going to be fairly similar. And when I look at the industrial control space or the PLC space, uh, I have a lot of friends, you know, the way they are sort of training their robot arms, the way they have to do everything custom. I sort of understand why they have to do this. But when you are saying that, you know what, you can probably draw the similarities and the model. So why do you have to develop so much custom code in these cases? Can you not utilize some sort of, you know, off-the-shelf software that can be customized? Because see, if you ask...
0: That's a- what we're doing. That's what we're doing. We we rarely write custom code. We are literally configuring... The, the problem that OSIsoft has had for years, yeah. now Aviva, is they had built all this capability yeah. for their customers. Yeah. Yeah. The problem is, is the customers have less and less technical capability and less and less time to be able yeah. to explore how that new functionality can help them. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So the problem is they had adoption rate problems. People were not adopting the new technology, even though it was incredibly powerful. Yeah. So really all we've been doing for the most part, probably 95% of what we have done yeah. over the last yeah. five years yeah, is literally we're taking an off the shelf software yeah. like Pi Yeah, we are configuring it in a way that instead of it just being reactive and the customer has to go draw the information out. Yeah, we present it to them in their face. Here's the problem. Here's what you need to do and make it obvious to them. Okay. and then we've we've also learned to use tools like Tableau or Power BI to look at much more long term. But we put a lot more context around the data where. They can start to use that to yeah. drive real-time solutions. They can say, "Oh, okay. Well, we've analyzed this long-term data. Man, if we ha- if we knew this in real time, we could prevent this million dollars worth of loss over the last three years." Yeah. Can you help us get something in real time in front of the right people to notify us that this is about to happen? Yeah. Well, sure. And and so we we literally take an off-the-shelf software or set of of software tools, yeah, configure them in such a way that people can take years worth of data and actually turn it into information that then they can take action on, that then it can drive profitable results for them. That's really the chain.
2: Okay, very interesting. So when I talk to folks in, and you know how involved The Industry 4.0 community is if I go to my Discord server or uh, if I go to, uh, you know, Clubhouse, there are 7000 people, you know, all talking how much they can do from the digital transformation perspective. I have actually lived my life doing just this. Okay. I can see uh, you know some challenges in the automation space because they are going to be fairly unique. So I don't know so you mentioned that you know you can literally buy off the shelf software and you don't have to do as much custom coding but I know a lot of people sure. are actually doing a lot of custom coding. I don't know if they're that sure is required on. or are there other drivers that might be driving why they are doing the custom custom coding? Are there going to be any sort of restrictions in your case let's say if you are uh, utilizing this the shelf software do you have to utilize specific control systems that only that are the only ones that can be no. utilized
0: no and, and, and as a matter of fact we you know we don't just use pi i mean pi has been predominant for us yeah. for the last fires but you know we're we've also uh recommended canary systems okay. canary labs to yeah. uh a customer because it fit what they were trying to do yeah you know another off-the-shelf system capstone technology and their um, park view and data park products yeah because they're in into some industries but those are again are off-the-shelf products that have yeah. a lot of functionality yeah in almost every case if you want to write custom applications against that data or you want to pipe that data to a data lake yeah to do something else with it maybe to write some kind of a custom code that's beyond the scope of what those tools do yeah there's no reason you can't do that yeah you know and and every company you know kind of takes a little different approach some make you pay for it some don't and you know everybody's got a little different philosophy but yeah. the reality is is there are APIs that allow you to go get the data that you need yeah if you want it if you feel like a custom solution is the right one for you yeah and and look sometimes you know we've had to write some custom stuff we yeah. you know ben ben wrote a, a thing for the liquid natural gas plant they they literally just wanted Runtime hours for yeah. rotating equipment on yeah. a daily basis. Okay. And they wanted to push it to their Maximo system. So we thought we were gonna have to write this bi-directional driver that was gonna, you know, push the data over, okay, kick off a work order and then let Pi know that it's been generated. Yeah. And as we got to t- really all we need is a text file, you know, like a CSV file. We know how to ingest that into Maxima. We, okay. we built something that goes and can can do that on a daily basis. If you could just Write a little piece of code that runs once a day. Yeah. That gives us the updates for the runtime hours. Yeah. We'll take care of the rest. You know, we'll build all the rest at maximum. If you can just do that. And so, actually, wrote that little bit of code. It's a little bit of Python code. Okay. That basically says, Hey, I'm going to go look in a very specific place in the hierarchy of how the data is organized. Okay. And I'm going to grab whatever's under there. So, if they've added equipment to it, we taught them how to add equipment. We built it off of a template and said, Hey, just instantiate this template. Yeah. Fill out these particular fields. Yeah. And it, the next time it runs, it'll go get that information, right? And so what it does is it goes and grabs that and then pushes it over to Maximo into the right places. So we made something. I mean, that was a custom piece of code. Yeah. But it was based off of a standard configuration that we did that the customer now has control over. Yeah. 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 You know, they don't have to call us every time. Like, hey, we need to add another motor. Or yeah. Another pump. Yeah. And we did it with filters, we did it with tank levels, Yeah. and we did it with rotating equipment. They don't have to call us. We, yeah. we literally built a way that said, hey, if you want to add more, just put it here, here's here's the procedure, put it here, instantiate this template and it'll go find the data and it'll yeah. push it over there. And as long as you're doing your Maximo stuff correctly, yeah. it'll work. And it has, they've been using it for a couple of years and it's saved them a ton of time. In, because what was happening before was their maintenance planners would have to go into the PI system Yeah. Pull that data yeah. into Excel and say, okay, well, all right, where, when's the last time we ran it? They'd have to pull it Maximo. Okay, when's the last time we did the PM? Yeah. Okay, was it this many hours? Okay, now we're here. Uh, we're not quite there yet, so now I'm going to have to run that next week because we yeah. won't be there. Yeah. Well, now the work order gets generated and somebody just has to go validate. Yep, that, that looks correct. Yep, okay. let's go ahead and do that. And pushes it out to somebody to actually go do. Saves them a ton of time. Yeah, and so many these are still doing it the first way where yeah. they have a maintenance planner that's having to take disparate data from yeah. two systems, yeah, and figure out how to marry them up. Or we have one customer, kid you not. Yeah, this, this is 2021. Yeah, it's almost 2022. <laughs> I kid you not, this yep. is still going on in manufacturing. <laughs> They have a spreadsheet. They, yeah. they pull data out of the Pi system. Okay. It gets P- PDFed, yeah. emailed out to people, Okay. printed out and put in people's boxes, Yeah. and literally they take the printed-out PDF you. <laughs> and punch it into SAP.
2: <laughs> Very 20, interesting.
0: 22, and they yeah. literally take a printed-out sheet and punch it into SAP,
2: and I guarantee you they're not alone. Yep. 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 I, I can believe that. And I agree with you.
0: And and so the, the reality we, we see is so many people, so many companies are still so reactionary on the manufacturing floor. They yeah. have the tools available. They don't know how to use them and they don't have time to leverage them because they're so lean. Yeah, that that is the the biggest challenge we have too. Is, is for instance, I, I told this story. I've I've got a video coming up on my YouTube channel. Where yeah, we talk about this. But Dave Griffith and I were were talking about this problem. Yeah, is I trust customer in 2018. Yeah, I went up to their site in North Carolina. Yeah, I trained a bunch of young engineers on how to do specific things with with the Pi system. Yeah, how to configure tags. How how to look at the data. Yeah. and how to organize it into a hierarchy, and so yeah. that they get some context around it. I taught them how to do all that. Yeah, three years later, yeah, Ben and I did basically the same training, except he Ben did some more remedial on how to actually get the data out of the control system into Pi. Yeah, and how to actually go do that, and then I did a little bit of the stuff I taught three years ago, but they're not ready for that. Okay, so literally in three years, step back, not a single engineer that I trained in 2018 is still at that site in North Carolina. Not one. Yeah. I did training at one of our major customers three years ago as well. Not a single person is in the same role that they were in three years ago. Yeah. Not a single one of them. That's amazing. And I think three of them at the company, one had gone to work for corporate. Yeah. And everybody else was at the plant, but in a different job. Yeah. And only maybe two or three of them are still even configuring any of the pie stuff that I trained them on out yeah. of the tent yeah and that's the challenge we have and that's why i think our business makes a lot of sense Is we come in because we have a lot of industry knowledge because we know the tools yeah and we know multiple tools we don't just know one yeah it's very easy for us to understand once we kind of get the customer lingo that yeah. oh you need to track down time oh you've got this maintenance problem oh you have this throughput problem yeah Oh, you have this quality problem. Yeah. Well, we've worked on things in that entire space for multiple industries. Yeah. The solutions are remarkably similar. Is it a batch process, a continuous process, or is it discrete? Yeah. We're either counting widgets, we're counting batches, or we're realizing something. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so so it's very there's so much similarity. But the problem we have in industry, again, I'm gonna go back to this and beat on this, is so many companies are running so lean, so thin. Yeah. And they have they just don't have the talent or the time to yeah. do what they be able to do.
2: That's very interesting. So maybe a lot of people might not be familiar with, you know, where your Pi, Canary Labs, the systems that you mentioned, where they fit in the overall architecture. So since you mentioned that you know what some people were taking data from Pi and um, you know pushing to SAP, obviously SAP has its own ME or MI system. So I don't know if Pi is going to be compatible to that. And then you also mentioned that this data was going to Maximo. Maximo is probably going to be your maintenance system, right? So paint the picture in terms of the overall architecture. What is the role of the system and where they fit in the architecture? So I, I guess I look at it in probably
0: three layers. Okay. I'm kind of maybe a traditionalist a little bit in that regard. Yeah. So you have the control system domain, Ew. which okay. is all your PLCs, your SCADA systems, your HMIs, yeah. your D- DCSs, yeah. all the stuff that's controlling the plant, right? Yeah. That's r- real time. Yeah. Then you kind of have this MES layer, Yeah. Okay. which is your data historians, your MES systems, yeah. all, all of those kind of in-between systems. And then you have your ERP, which is yeah. maintenance, financial, supply yeah. chain, all that kind of stuff, which sits on top of yeah. all of that. The thing that I find, you know, you mentioned SAP MII, it has some reporting functionality, but they really have no idea how to use plant floor time series data because it just looks different. Yep. They want things in rows and columns and everything nice and neat. Yeah. Time series data is not nice and neat. Yeah, because even though I may be asking or I may be asking for the data every second Yeah, I may not get data every second, or I may not store data every second. Yeah, yeah, because I'm getting exactly the same signal, or it's basically the same signal. Yeah, and so I might get a data point, you know, at three fifty one oh one. Yeah, then I don't get another one till three fifty one forty three. Yeah, right. Systems like Maximo and SAP don't know how to deal with that. Okay, right. If it's not in rows and columns, I don't know what to do with it. So where Pi and Canary and Capstone and all these other, you know, the systems we work on. Yeah. Is kind of to me, I I think of it as a little bit of a hub in that the MES system needs data because we have to understand, you know, what's running, what are the flow rates, or what are the batch rates, you know, what are the temperatures? Yeah, you know, what are the quality parameters? Is this a you know, first pass quality, you know, all those kind of things? Yeah. Is this now work in process? Is it complete? Now we're waiting on the next step, you yeah. know, all those kind of things. It needs that real time data to understand what's been going on. Right? Yeah. A lot of times SAP needs the data because just like what we were talking about for the maintenance side, you yeah. Know, how many hours did this thing run? You know, yeah, because I need to maintain it. Yeah. Uh, or maybe I'm I'm looking at specific conditions that you know it's it's looking for. You know, has it run over current for a really long time? maybe, maybe yeah. that's a problem. Yeah. It also needs utilizations we're working on right now that we're trying to do real-time utilizations in, yeah. in dollars. Yeah. Because they're trying to reconcile that every month in yeah. SAP. Yeah. But the problem is you get to the end of the month and you're like, oh crap, I'm a I'm a million over what I should have used in raw materials. Yeah. Well, how to I get there? Well, if I had known, I could have done something different. Yeah. So what, we're, so, what we're trying to do is deliver something that's more real time. Yeah. It's more like at that MES level, level, that kind of right now or almost right now level. Yeah. Where I can say, well, maybe I can change my outcome yeah. where I don't have such a financial hit at the end of the month. Right. Yeah. So, so I think the systems we work on kind of work in that MES layer. It's, I, I look at it as kind of the infrastructure layer. Yeah. It's It's kind of that repository from the control system to here. And that's, that's where the, you know, all of the data reside yeah. you might need for these other systems. Now we may have to contextualize a little bit, Yeah, you know, maybe SAP just needs, well, what was the total of this particular raw material we used today? What was yeah. the runtime hours of this particular asset today? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Or maybe it production numbers by the hour. Yeah. Right. We have to generally contextualize it to be able to be used in those other systems, right? Because they're not able to handle that real time data because it's so. Typically, that's kind of where I see these systems operate. Okay. And I think I think they're going to continue to operate there. Okay. Even even as the IIoT <laughs> infrastructure and yeah. and uh, methodology change over the years, I, I think things will change. But I I do think there is a role for a data historian in an IIoT infrastructure. I, as a matter of fact, the the article that. I have written that gets more views than any other article I've ever written. Yeah. Is is a data historian an IIoT platform? Very interesting. Short an- short, short answer is it's not. It's yeah. part of it, but it's not a platform. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you can go read read the article. It gets hit probably every day, you know, oh. either on my site or Martin Davis's site. So we uh, he asked me to write it and it, it resonates with a lot of people.
2: Yeah, I definitely will. In fact, we can probably include as part of this episode. But one of the questions that I'm going to have for you is going to be: Where does SPC sit in the architecture? So you mentioned histogram and MES, that is going to be underneath your maintenance system and the the SAP and the corporate. What about SPC? Is the, where does that sit in the architecture?
0: Yeah, S- SPC is in in that same layer that the historians in. Okay, it's not at the ERP layer. It's not down the control system layer. It's kind of okay. in that middle middle layer, right? Pi can do some SPC capability. You know, it has all of the the Western electric, you know, SPC codes, you know, you're on one side of the center line or yeah. you're two Sigma out, you're three Sigma out. Yeah. Right. From your, your, uh, or from your target. So some of the systems can do some SPC, yeah. but then there are other systems that are specifically designed to take that data in and, you know, add a little more, maybe a little more context to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, because a lot of times there's corrective actions that you need to do and, and things like that. The data historian historians typically not at capturing that, you yeah. know, at, at those kind of like process type, like workflow process type, not not like manufacturing process, the workflow process. Like, yeah. oh, OK, when this happens, you do yeah. step one, step two, step three. Yeah. Data historians terrible at that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Software is generally geared to handle those things. OK, when you see it, go to here, then here are the things you need to do. One, two, three. Yeah. Generally, what, what we see is the laboratory information systems and the data historian will feed an SBC if if there's not some native capability that the customers using in the LIM system or in the in the historian. We will see those two things feed SBC. That's typically what we do.
2: very interesting. And why are these capabilities not housed inside MES system? So MES is supposed to be the system, one grand system. They are
0: they are a lot. Not always. But in that layer, they're in that MES layer, as I like to call it. Right? Yeah. The the plant floor. Yeah. You have MES. You have ERP. Right. MES is data historian, SPC, work in process, scheduling. You know, all all those things that are actually having to do with the execution of yeah. making your product. Right. That's. Semi real time. That's more daily stuff. You know, the, the if you look at the SAP and, and maxima and things like that, that's much more a macro view of things, like yeah. end of month closings and, and things like that. It's it's a much more broad view. Yeah. You know, MES is a little more, you know, quite a bit more granular. And then yeah. real time is much, much more granular. It, it's what's happening right now.
2: So let's say if somebody buys a really big MES system, are they going to get the histogram and SPC capabilities as part of that, or do they have to utilize a separate system for that?
0: It's out of my area of expertise <laughs> we've we typically opt there like a couple of customers have asked us to do some SC, spc stuff inside yeah. of pi yeah because they didn't want to go buy a specific system or yeah. their company had a specific system that yeah. that particular plant hated and they didn't want to see it used yeah and they said can you please do this in PI?" and and we demonstrated the capability and the plant manager said that's more than good enough for what we're trying to do, and it's way better than what we're doing now, which is nothing. And it's and it's a lot better than that other system that you know corporate's trying to push on us. T- to me, that's the only time we've ever really gotten involved in any kind of statistical process control or statistical quality control. Yeah, you know there there are other systems that can do that. Yeah, and and typically specialize in that. Yeah, um, we can definitely do it from the poor man's perspective. Yeah, you know, we can get you started. And matter of fact, I. I've been working on a quote right now for doing downtime tracking. Yeah. For a customer. We're doing it all with Pi. Yeah. And you know, the reality is that there may come a day when they outgrow that capability. Yeah. They may say, Hey, we need some more functionality. We need some more things. We're like, well, we're kind of using all we can use here. Yeah. We have a place we can go. We have a partner <laughs> that we're we're talking to who builds a downtime system that Mary's up to pie and yeah. we can say, hey, we can, once you've kind of graduated out of this and you need yeah. more capability, yeah. here's where we can go. So we we kind of try to stay in our lane and, and be experts in the things that we're really good at. Yeah. We're really, really good at time series data.
3: Yeah.
0: And we kind of play around with some of those other things. We just have to touch them. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So I, I don't know that I'm I'm the right person to ask that question. Okay.
2: Amazing. So that's it for today. Do you have any last minute closing thoughts or remarks for our listeners?
0: No, I, I think well, yes, I do. I'm sitting here saying no, but then I'm gonna say something. <laughs> I, I think I think the the biggest thing that I always try to tell customers and, yeah. and I say this on my YouTube is in your time series data, you have a gold mine. Yeah. That or it could be a gold mine. sometimes we find it's not as good as what you think. I, we could talk for a whole hour on data quality. Yeah. I haven't even touched on that today. You can go see my YouTube channel. I talk about it a lot. Yeah. But if you have good data quality, you have a gold mine on how to run your business better. You know what good looks like you know what bad looks like the problem is most companies don't have the to dig it out and present it to the right people yeah to show them what good and bad looks like to get the right outcomes and especially in this workforce changing you know dave griffith posted just the other day about you know we have all these retirements happening yeah and or have happened especially over the last year and a half right yeah a lot of the subject matter expertise is gone yeah a lot of manufacturing companies now you pile on top of that these sharp young millennial engineers have decided I don't want to work in this plant out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, I'm leaving for a better opportunity. Yeah, now what are you going to do? Well, for me, I always go back to you need to find someone like us who can take that real-time data or that time series data and say, "Okay, let's go figure out what good looks like." Yeah. You can't you can't ignore the the process knowledge. Yeah. But I can enhance the process knowledge. We can enhance the process knowledge by taking that time series data and saying, Here's what good looks like. Here's what bad looks like. And I think too many companies are still ignoring that opportunity or they're not reaching out to a, to us or a company like ours. Because I've said this before, I'm like, hey, if we're not the right fit. We're not the right fit for everybody. Obviously, yeah. we have certain clientele we fit really, really well with. Yeah. But if it's not us, go talk to somebody who does this. Yeah. Because there's tons of opportunity in there. And especially, I think, in the next couple of years, we're going to see inflation catch up to us. I think capital money is going to get get, I think the supply chain issues aren't over with. I think yeah. I think in certain industries we may have a GLUT coming up. Yeah. And their prices yeah. are going to drop. Yeah. I think it's going to get to be a really weird market here in the next couple of years. Yeah. And I think what we're going to see is capital is going to be cut. So therefore a company's like, well, I need 10% more capacity. Yeah. I can't go buy new machinery. I can't build a new plant. Where am I going to get it? I'm going to get it with what I already own because it's not running as efficiently as it should. Yeah, That's where working with a company like ours or you know somebody else like us is going to really benefit. And I think that's what people are going to have to keep in mind these next couple of years is you're going to have to make the most of what you have because your capital money, you're not going to be able to cover up your inefficiencies with capital and throwing more machinery and more plants at it.
2: My personal takeaway from this conversation is going to be time series data is going to have a real goal. So make sure you are really utilizing that and understanding how you can take advantage of that. On that note, Jim, I really want to thank you for your time. This has been a powerful episode. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Jim, head over to industrialinsightinc.com. It's I-N-D-U-S-T-R-I-A-L-I-N-S-I-G-H-T-I-N-C.com. For blogs and other material, as well as their YouTube channel, search Industrial Insights INC. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes, including the interview with Martin Davis, who discusses the strategies to improve your manufacturing facility's capacity and increase the overall equipment effectiveness of your equipment. Also, the interview with Max Krug, who discusses what actions businesses need to take if they encounter product quality or business performance issues. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you and I hope to catch you on the next episode of the WBS Podcast.
1: Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode.